he's here again in April. So he's been here twice in tw- uh, 12 and 12, yeah, 12 months. Um, and some of my friends haven't made it over once yet. So um, Andre's, Andre's certainly back in the trend. But um, I'm very um, glad that uh, um, Dre is here. I think it was reflecting on this last night. Uh, me, myself and Dre, uh, we met each other when we were about 14 years old. And um, we're still friends today, some 18 years later. Um, so he's one of my closest friends. Um, you know, when I was um, trying to decide uh, whether I should come to Northern Ireland or not, um, Dre was one of those people that said, yeah, go, Kurt, you'll enjoy it. And uh, true to his words, um, uh, I, I am enjoying it. So um, his, his advice and his counsel is something that uh, I, I do appreciate. Everybody um, should have a friend like Andre. Uh, but unfortunately, um, I'm the only one that does. So, <laughs> um, but Andre, as you'll notice, he he's not um, he's not alone. Um, he's he enjoyed it so much. He he brought his girlfriend this time round. Um, so, um, who said wedding bells? I don't know. I'll, I'll leave you to work that out. But Charlie is very nice to have you here. Um, he's gonna <laughs> Andre shaking his head. I'm in trouble later. Um, uh, but no, thank you very much. It's been a great week having you guys here. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I know you've enjoyed it, your time here also. Um, so um, You have to find this man a partner too now, since you've been very influential in his life. See what you can do. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I said to myself this morning, should I say something to the church? Should I ask them to behave themselves? Um, maybe I should have done. I should have gone with that. I should have gone with that. <laughs> so um, this quarter, we are looking at the book of Acts. Um, so we're, we're going. Uh, the next uh, few sermons that I do uh, will be based in the in the book of Acts, which um, actually um, turns out pretty well because the Sabbath school lesson this quarter is on the book of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts also. So there's, there's some symmetry. I didn't plan it that way. Maybe I should take credit for planning it that way. But I didn't. I didn't plan it that way. Um, so, um, yes. So if you would like to turn with me to the scripture reading today, which is found in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 6 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The title for today is My Witnesses. My Witnesses. Shall we bow our heads? Our Lord and Father, we pray that you would be with us at this time. May we um, be challenged, Lord, by your word. May we find some encouragement. May we uh, perhaps uh, have a different look at things um, as a result of uh, your word. I pray, Lord, that 
you would hide me behind the cross and it would just be um, your words that I heard and not mine. This is my prayer, Lord, in your name. Amen. I was in Port Rush on Monday at a place called Barry's. Does anybody know it? Uh, and I went on something called the Big Dipper. Uh, it's a, a very small roller coaster. It's a, a short ride. But in that short ride, I was up uh, and then I was down. I went from slow uh, to fast. A lot happened in a very short amount of time. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced a roller coaster of emotions, where one minute you are up and the next you are down. But I imagine the disciples must have been feeling that way in the last few weeks. In a very short amount of time, Jesus had been welcomed into Jerusalem on a cult. Uh, Jesus said somebody from within the group would betray them. Judas betrayed them. They went to the garden to pray and they fell asleep and Jesus got arrested. And being the great friends that they were, they ran away and fled. Judas hanged himself. Barabbas, the vigilante, was freed. Pilate washed his hands. The people wanted Jesus executed. Jesus was taken to Calvary and he was crucified. But praise God, he did not stay in the tomb. He got up out of his own grave and the man they saw die a brutal death was alive once more. I mean, this was a lot to go through in a very short space of time. The downs of one of their, of, of one of their fellow disciples committing suicide, leaving Jesus on his own when he needed them the most, and ultimately seeing Jesus die on the cross, to the ups of Jesus now being alive once more and with them once again. But now they were about to face another down. Jesus was going to leave them. He was going back to his Father in heaven. Uh, They had just got their heads and their brains around the fact that Jesus was alive and well, and and now he was going away again. A roller coaster of emotions. I'm sure you will agree. So we pick up the story in Acts, where Jesus is talking to his disciples for the final time. And when they were together, Jesus, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit would come to them after he goes. This is a great thing, an amazing promise. The Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, would be with them. But the disciples don't so much as bat an eyelid. They don't acknowledge this at all. Instead, they ask, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? If you remember a few communions ago, we spoke about missing the point, where the disciples were around the communion table, uh, were arguing over who was the greatest, trying to get places into what they thought would be the new government. But they were missing the point. And this kind of uh, thinking about the uh, fresh start of Israel was still very much in their minds. But Jesus told them not to worry about that. That kind of information was reserved for the Father. But he did speak of a fresh start for Israel, but not in the way that they had anticipated. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, until all the ends of the earth. God and Jesus had a very specific plan in mind as to how to proceed. The disciples were to start in Jerusalem and start telling everyone about the gospel. But they were not to just stop at Jerusalem. They were to go to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. This was very specific. There did not appear to be any wiggle room in this. Jesus had given the disciples an assignment. Be my witnesses. Tell the people what you have heard, what you have seen, 
what you have experienced. He didn't ask if it was okay with them. He didn't want to know how they felt about it. This is the plan. Here is your assignment. Given the question they had asked, I don't think Jesus' answer was particularly what they were looking for. And, but anyway, so began the start of the early church. These verses in our scripture reading contain the mission statement for Acts and indeed the church. And this uh, is the template for how the story moves throughout the book. So Jesus wanted, wanted his disciples to be his witnesses. This was an amazing and humbling thing taking place. God was going to work through these people, use them as his vessels to reach other people. If God was a workman, the disciples were being asked to be his tools and the Holy Spirit, his power unit. Like we just mentioned, the disciples hadn't exactly uh, covered themselves in glory in the last few weeks. When Jesus was being pushed from pillar to post or from Herod to Pilate, the disciples were nowhere to be seen. Peter's eyes were red from the weeping as his heart broke from his own betrayal. But they were nothing compared to the tears he shed on that Good Friday morning. But here, a few weeks later, Jesus is wanting them to be his footmen. It's a remarkable turnaround. And what this says to me is that Jesus sees potential in all of us. He sees past the deficiencies and the challenges and he sees potential. He sees diamonds in the rough. Jesus wanted to use people to reach other people. If we look through the ages, God has tried to reveal himself and his character to his creation in different ways. Through creation, the the intricate and detailed biology of even the tiniest of flowers shows the handiwork of God. and, And this small flower can testify to the greatness and awesomeness that is God. God revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we see the ultimate display of love for his creation. God communicates through his word, the scriptures. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word teaches, it educates, it corrects and it guides us. And now God was using the disciples to spread the message of what Jesus had done to the rest of the world. Okay, preacher, God wanted to use the flawed disciples to spread the gospel. But what has that got to do with me? Well, let me explain. I've said this before. And I'll say it again. You are here and this time, in this place, with the parents that you have and the family that you've been born into. Because this was the best chance you had at being saved. Not during the time of Henry VIII or Queen Victoria. Uh, Some of you are thankful because you don't know what you would do without your flat screen TV and the internet. You weren't around in the Ice Age or in the Industrial Age and not even in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. And even though you may watch it, you were not supposed to be in the era of Downton Abbey either. Right here and right now is where you are supposed to be. God is not carefree. He is meticulous. He is detailed. He knew that in spite of the state of the world at this stage in 2015, despite the lack of love and respect for God, that not only would you be able to bear these things, but this was the best time for you to be saved. It's almost like a vote of confidence from God himself. I know person X can live during these times, these last days, and still be faithful to me. 
if I put them there, there's a strong possibility that I will see them in heaven one day. You and I, we were cut out to live in the last days because this was the best chance we had at being saved. Are you with me this morning? But let me add a little something onto that. Yes, right here and right now is the best chance that uh, we, you and I have of being saved, but it is also the best time for us to be effective for God. What do I mean by that? Right now is the time, is the time that God intended to use you as his vessel. Not only does he want to save you, he wants to use you to reach others. That blueprint that I set out for us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, go to Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. We are still in this process today. Matthew 24, verse 14. Turn with me there. Matthew 24, verse 14. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come so jesus has not come yet there is so there is still work to do there are people who have not heard the gospel they have not heard the good news about jesus and the salvation that he offers god needs us to be his witnesses in 2015 as followers of christ as the present day church we are picking up the mantle from where the disciples left off Once God has your salvation sorted out, he's not just sitting on his laurels. He wants you to help others or at least point the way to the kingdom of God. And as Christians, this is part of our our reason for being, part of our purpose for life. And like the disciples, Jesus doesn't ask. He doesn't check to see if it's all right with you. This is the plan. This is the assignment to be witnesses. So you might say to me, okay, pastor, I get that. I understand that. But you know what? I'm not very good at witnessing. It's not my thing. And there may be a few of you who can identify with this sentiment. But let's challenge that notion together. I am not a good witness, I'm not a good witness or I don't know how to witness. Now, ladies. I feel like I pick on the ladies here, but I honestly, I'm not. If you see a lovely dress or some dazzling shoes... Or better yet, there's a sale on at a particular store. Do you keep it to yourself? Well, some of you are saying, yeah, because I don't want anybody to look like me. (laughs) But no, you would go and tell your friends. What are you doing? You're witnessing. What about if you see something good on TV or you read a good book? Uh, Did you see that? I would really recommend that you read that or or you watch that. What are you doing? You're witnessing. You go to a restaurant, you say to your friend, uh, next time you're free, I'm going to take you for a, a lovely meal there. What are you doing? You're witnessing. Oh, man, you should have seen her. She's like sunshine on a rainy day. Makes my heart skip a beat. And she wears those skirts right down to her ankle. <laughs> I just love the way she reads her Bible. Ah, she's a good Christian girl. What are you doing? You are witnessing. Our concept of witnessing is so flawed. We think that we need to be able to quote the Bible backwards and forwards, that we need to be able to know the doctrines off by heart, be able to name all the GC presidents in order. 
uh, must be able to answer every uh, question that is thrown at you. But this is nonsense, and it's simply not true. We can witness simply by being, just being you. If God has truly impacted your life, then something about you will stand out. How you talk, the things that you say, the way that you treat people, the way that you treat people who are unkind to you. All of these can be powerful and effective witnesses. We give ourselves such a hard time and build it up until we talk ourselves out of witnessing. You know, even something as simple as refusing the pork sausages in the canteen, your diet, shows people that something has happened to you, something has impacted you to the point where you want to make changes. And here's the thing. People should be able to look at you and I and say, I want some of that. I want some of what that person has. So we need to be mindful of how we do it and what you say. Let me give you another example. One of the things that you should have um, been able to pick up about me. So watch, what I'm, watch how I'm, I, I, I do this next bit. Some of you should be able to um, pick up that I like football, right? Might have had a, you know, might have had an idea about that. Um, I like watching football. I like playing football. Uh, by the way, this isn't in the sermon, but Banbridge played Belfast a few weeks ago, and we won. We didn't just beat them, you know, properly beat them. Um, so please feel free to remind Pastor Adam Keo about that. Um, and, uh, and uh, football, I know, is not everybody's cup of tea, but it's my cup of tea with two sugars. Yeah, I, I love my football. And I, I remember one time um, Aston Villa had, had got back into Europe, and um, this is my first time going to Villa Park, which is um, where Aston Villa, my, the team that I support, where we play our football. And um, I drove down to Birmingham, and I was there. and my Villa shirt on, and I was with the rest of my brethren. I was, it, was, it was almost like going to church. And, you know, people were, people were um, singing songs as we were um, going, going to the ground. And um, the atmosphere was electric. You know, it was, it was just, it was so exciting. And I felt like I was at home. I felt this, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and the, the, the crowd are, are chanting and, and uh, they're singing. And, you know, when the players needed a bit of encouragement, um, they were cheering for the players. And then um, we got this corner and our captain, Martin Lawson, he scored from the corner. And I tell you what, 40,000 people just erupted in that stadium. 40,000 people, we were, they were all on their feet. They were cheering. It was an amazing experience. Any chance uh, that I get to, to go there, I will, because I love it uh, and I enjoy it. So, from what I just said there, was I enthusiastic? Was I passionate? Okay, let me give you another example. I'm a Christian. I don't go to church on Sundays. I don't even get to watch TV on a Saturday morning. I know Saturday morning has the best TV. I can't even eat pork anymore. Man, I miss those sausage rolls. I can't even eat gammon. I miss my honey glazed gammon. And I can't even go to the coach 
on a Friday night. And they always have the best times on, on a Friday night. Am I being enthusiastic? Am I being passionate? Am I being happy? No. So if people see you talking about your Christianity, if people see you talk about your faith, and you're down in the dumps, and you're not happy, and you're miserable, why would anybody want to be a part of that? I'm not saying that we should be happy-go-lucky and ramming the Bible down people's throats, but we we should have a, a joy inside of us that we can share with other people. I've used this example before, but if someone says that I'm married, but I can't date anymore, you might be thinking, what on earth is wrong with this person? Are they even happy in their marriage? But likewise, if we reduce our Christianity to a list of do's and don'ts, people are going to look at us and say, well, are they really happy? We don't want people to say, well, that person, that man or that woman, they don't look like they enjoy being a Seventh-day Adventist. Boy, that Seventh-day Adventist must really, church must really depress people. We should be happy to be Christians, happy to be light bearers in this world of darkness. We should be passionate and excited when we talk about Jesus or our walk with him or what he has done for us. If we are dull or indifferent about it, why on earth would anybody want to be a part of that? Why would anybody want to be attracted to that? That's not a Jesus or a church that anyone wants to be a part of. We should be excited and joyful, but at at the same time, an important part of witnessing is listening to others, listening to what they have to say. And if they invite you to talk, then do so with passion. But don't just talk and talk until people are weary of you. Witnessing is not about giving everybody you meet a Bible study. Witnessing is not about converting people. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. We can only do so much. You will notice from our scripture reading that the disciples were to receive the Holy Spirit first and then they were to go out. We have to be equipped and empowered first. We have to know what we are talking about. We have to know who God is. How can we share if we don't know what we're saying? Let the Holy Spirit play his part. Let him do his work. Sometimes when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will prompt us and give us words to say. But let's be honest, it's becoming more and more difficult to witness in this day and age. I'm not going to stand up here and say it's easy and straightforward. If it was, then the church would be packed to the rafters every week. And it's challenging, especially in our context in Northern Ireland. Most people here are affiliated with a church. What does your church do that mine doesn't already do? We are so busy trying to deal with our own lives, our own dramas and our own issues, that we don't have time for anyone else. We have become so distracted that the truth is we forget we are God's witnesses. We have less time to witness and less time for spiritual things in general. In addition to this, the devil just wants us to blend in, to be part of the crowd, be like everyone else. Go with the crowd, go with the flow. But we need to stand out. We need to be different if we're going to make a difference. We are not meant to be like everyone else. We are playing to a different tune. We are singing off a different hymn sheet. Something about us should stand out, whether that be our diet, our dress, our beliefs, or our practices. Something about us should stand out. Not to stand out to say, well, those people are freaks, but these people have something that I don't have, but I want it. The way that we live, 
our lifestyle, what we say and how we act. This is how we witness to people. You know, the disciples, they were asking Jesus, is the, is the kingdom going to be restored now? And like them, we sometimes get caught up in the, in the concept of time. But Jesus is saying to them and to us, don't worry about that. Leave that to God. It's not your business to concern yourself with timings and seasons. We get tied up in the wrong things. Your job is to get it done. Our job is people. We're not saving cats and dogs, which your pastor is ever so grateful for. It's people, fellow human beings. We just need to get on with the job. Just get on with what we have to be doing, which is being God's witnesses. In closing, I just want to show you a brief clip. Some of you may have seen it on um, Facebook already. The man who is talking is a pastor. But what he says just he, what he says doesn't just apply to pastors. It applies to all of us. People often say to me, they say, Jay John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well. (laughs) I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow. Loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. follower of Jesus, then we are part of a global enterprise, but not only is it global, it's intergalactic, because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. (laughs) Can we be creative in how we answer people? Can we be passionate? Can we respond with enthusiasm and joy? Caroline asked the question last week, what kind of people ought we to be? I would say one answer is to be witnesses, good witnesses, positive witnesses, witnesses for Jesus. We are part of something, a movement. It started in Jerusalem all those many years ago, and there is still work to be done. 
the text mentions that the disciples were to go to the ends of the earth. And here is where we come in. And this is still being done. It's still happening. The early church set out to be those witnesses. They set out to tell others about the Jesus that they had known for the last three and a half years. And sure, it wasn't plain sailing, but they were not going in their own power. The verse says that you will receive power. And when that comes upon you, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And do you know what happened? They turned the world upside down. Whose world can we turn upside down? Who needs some kindness from you this week? Who needs to be shown some love? On your Facebook, can you send out some positive thoughts? Can you share Jesus? Can you give up an hour in your week? Not your day or an hour. Not an hour in your day. Can you give up an hour in your week to do something for somebody else? Change your conversation and your speech. Stop the moaning. Stop the whinging. Tell people what God has done for you. Being God's witnesses, this is us. This is part of who we are this is our assignment do you accept the plan and do you want to be part of it do you want to share Jesus with others or would you rather keep him to yourself and not let anybody know God is still in the business of using people to reach other people and more importantly he is still in the business of bestowing on us his Holy Spirit to empower us to energize us and equip us for this work We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because we do not have the power or the capacity to make a difference on our own. People need to hear the good news of Jesus. God wants wants us to look outside of ourselves, to see those around us and see how we can help others. We can be intentional about it. We can be purposeful and deliberate in our our actions and conversations. We are Christ-filled, Spirit-empowered, Bible-believing people. People should look at us and say, I want some of that. I want to know their Jesus. I can see what he has done for them. I wonder what he can do for me. You may not think what you do or what you say has any effect, but the little that you do can become much in the hands of God. So church, here is our assignment, to be God's witnesses. He wants to use you and I to reach others. So let us pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let us, wherever we can, try to make a difference. Let us show kindness. Let us show love. Let us show Jesus. So that to everyone we meet, everyone we know, to everyone we love, to everyone we come into contact with, that we will be God's witnesses.